So we're going to go ahead and continue, jump right into our I Am series. Uh, we've been going through the seven I Am statements of Jesus found in the book of John. I've really enjoyed this series. I hope that you have too. We have uh, today's message. We have uh, one more next week and then the Last Sunday in May, we're going to be starting a brand new series um, that I'm very excited about. I'll let you know a little bit more about it next week. Um, but we're going to be in John, the 14th chapter uh, this morning. And uh, we're going to be talking about the statement that Jesus makes when he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, which is an amazing statement that Jesus makes. Remember, what we're doing is we're looking at these things and we're allowing Jesus to kind of speak for himself. He, he makes these statements about himself, but it helps us to know who he is and why he came and know him a little bit more intimately. So as we jump into this, we're going to be in John, the 14th chapter. We're going to be starting with verse number one, and um, this is what Jesus says. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you will know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And then in, in verse number six, we see this statement. Jesus says, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be together and, and open your word and look at it and let you speak to us. And Father, that's what we're asking. That's what we need. We need for my words to cease and for yours to begin. We need for your anointing to come. And, and Father, that, that, that people would hear the words that you desire for them to hear. So God, I pray that you would open the ears uh, spiritual ears, especially of those that are hearing this, and that, Father, you would speak to them uh, through this message. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've kind of learned a little bit about people, and, and, and people are either, um, and this is going to sound weird, they're either vacation people or they're not vacation people. I am probably more on the side of not vacation people. I, I'm not a big fan of, of I mean, I like vacation. I like going and, and doing those things, but I'm not really a traveler. I'm not really one of those people. I know people that really love to do it, and, 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 and I'm not necessarily a homebody, but, but I'm just, that's not something that I really enjoy to do as much as, as others. But, but I, do, I do enjoy going every once in a while and doing those things. And, and here's what I've learned. No matter if you're a vacation person or not, something will happen at some point in your trip and it may happen early, it may happen late, it may happen uh, three weeks in, it may happen three days in, but, but typically something begins to happen. And, and that's simply this, we, we begin to, no matter how great the vacation is, no matter how much we enjoy it, no matter how beautiful the scenery is or the people we're visiting, we begin to have this desire to go home. We kind of have this desire, I mean, sometimes we'll, we'll kind of say it this way, it's like, you know, it's going to be really nice to, to sleep in my own bed, it's going to really be nice to be kind of back in that, that, that comfort place, that place that we know, and, and, and I think no matter who we are, no matter how much we enjoy being away, there's always this pull to be home. There's always this desire to go back home. And home is such a wonderful place. Home is, is a place where we're safe. It's a place where we feel comfortable. It's, it's a place where we can kind of um, let our hair down, if that makes sense. We can, we can know we're loved and, and cared for, and we don't have to put on any type of, of, of fake facade or anything like that. We can just be home. We can be comfortable. We can be where, where we can just kind of let loose and be who we are. Um, you know, I don't know about you what you do in your home, but uh, I'll give you a little glimpse into ours. Um, we have a, a kitchen like everybody else does, and, and Emily, uh, for her birthday or Christmas, I can't remember now, we, we, we got her a sign that hangs in our kitchen, and the sign says, in this kitchen, we dance. That's what the sign says. Now, now, What's interesting about that is, is we do dance in that kitchen. We turn on the music, and Easton and Emily and I will have, we call them dance parties, and we dance, and we have a good time. Now listen, here's the thing about that. You are not going to see that outside of our home. 
We, 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 we do not have a sign that says, in, in our living room, or in, in our front yard, we dance, or, or at, at Walmart, we dance, but in our kitchen, we dance. Why? Because we feel comfortable. We feel at home. We feel safe. No matter how crazy we dance and how badly we dance, we're home, we can dance. And, and there's that desire in all of us, I think, to be home and to experience home. And, and here's the issue that we find. This world isn't our home. This world, as, as sometimes as great as it can be, is not where we were created to be. And so we have this longing in us. We have this desire in us to at some point go home. And, and, and I want you to hold on to that because we're going to come back. We're going to circle back around to this idea of home that I think is so important to this message, to what Jesus was saying. But we're going to get to it in, in a minute, okay? But before we do, let's kind of jump into kind of the, the, the situation that we find ourselves in when Jesus makes this statement. And so the first thing we're going to do, as we have done, as we've gone through this series, is we're going to look at the setting. We're going to look at the context. Why does Jesus make this statement? What's going on when Jesus makes this statement? Because if we can see the whole picture, not just the statement, the, whole, the statement comes more alive. It, it, it becomes something that we can understand a little bit more. of. Why did Jesus say this right now? Why did Jesus do this in this moment? And so it's important that we, we kind of see that. So before we kind of jump into the statement, which we will in a minute, let's look at the setting. Now, in John chapter 14, there's been a lot that's going on, but let me kind of give you an idea of where we're at during, as kind of get into John 14. This is the last week of, of Jesus's um, but before he's crucified, basically. If, if this will help you, um, this takes place on the last week of Jesus' uh, ministry, basically, before he's crucified, on Thursday night. Okay, so let me kind of back it up a little bit. Monday, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. It's the, the scene where everyone is very, very excited and they're waving palm branches. It's what we uh, usually celebrate on Palm Sunday. And so uh, he is coming in, he's riding on the, on the donkey's colt, and, and people are excited and they're going through all these wonderful things. And, and basically, that the Tuesday happens, Wednesday happens. Thursday night is basically when Jesus is making this statement. Also, basically, this is the season and the time of Passover that the uh, Jewish people would celebrate. So a lot of people are in Jerusalem, uh, and they're celebrating Passover. Jesus actually makes this statement at what we consider to be called the Last Supper. In John, we see a really intimate picture of the, lap, the Last Supper, uh, and we see that basically starting in, in John 13, and 14, and 15, and 16, and prayer in 17. And so basically, this the all those chapters are, are that experience, okay? And so Jesus is there. He's, he's, he's washed his disciples' feet. He's, he's talked about someone that's going to betray him. He's let his betrayer leave. Uh, he's told Peter that, that he's going to deny him three times. So this is a very intimate um, time. Now, this is kind of what's going on. Now, now before we kind of really jump into that section, I want to take a step back and look at the disciples because they play a major part in understanding why Jesus makes this statement. Now, the disciples have been following Jesus for about three years now. They've left home, they've left professions, they've left family, they've left everything to follow Jesus, and they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He, they believe that he has come and, and, and is sent of God to be the Messiah. Now, we today, knowing the whole story, knowing how it all played out, we understand the Messiah as something different than they did during that time. They saw the Messiah as being kind of a political position and, and kind of a, an earthly position. Basically, they understood if Jesus is the Messiah, he's going to come into Jerusalem. He is going to, to kick out the Roman occupiers, and he's going to set up this earthly kingdom. And these disciples are going to kind of be his right-hand men. In fact, you see in John and other Gospels, the disciples arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, and, and who's going to sit at Jesus' right hand, and who's going to sit at Jesus' left hand. So they're understanding all this as something that's going to happen soon, and something that they're going to kind of going to get paid back for everything they've kind of um, done for Jesus and all these sort of things. They really haven't understood that Jesus here is going to come, and he did come, to die. 
And so they're excited about this. And so all this is taking place, all the excitement. And now Monday happens, okay? And Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem. People are saying, you know, this is it. This is exciting. They're excited. They're going, okay, now we're going, man. Now this is happening. We're going to, Jesus is going to set this thing up and we're going to kick out the Romans. This is going to be awesome. And so they assume that Jesus is going to come and he's going to go talk to the religious leaders and he's going to go talk to the political leaders and they're all going to get it and they're going to follow him too and this is going to be this great coronation and this is going to be awesome. And what's interesting is Jesus does the opposite. Jesus walks in to the temple where we're and probably the disciples minds are like, okay, you know, this is great. He's going to the temple. He's going to set all this up. And he, he turns the tables over of the money changers. He insults uh, the Pharisees. He, he basically makes enemies of all these people. And, and, and basically, these disciples have got to be sitting there going, wait a minute, w- what's going on? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. This isn't, this isn't how this is supposed to go. And so they're, they're starting to get a little concerned and a little confused and a little like, what's going on? And then they come to this Passover meal. They come to the Last Supper, like we call it. And, and Jesus begins to say some things that become even more confusing and even more confusing concerning for them. And so we're going to kind of start to look at some of those things. And, and we see the first kind of one of these statements, and there's many, but I just picked a couple that, that we see in John 13. In John 13, 1, we, we kind of see the beginning of all this, and this is what it says. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. There's times in scripture where we see uh, this concept that, 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 that people wanted to take Jesus and they wanted to kill him and they wanted to do things to him. And, and we have this concept that the time wasn't right. It wasn't his time. Well, now here on Thursday night, we're seeing the realization that it is now time. It is now time. And so Jesus is beginning to, to talk to them. This is kind of like the idea of, of this is his last his last time to really talk and, and share things with him. It's kind of this idea of, of his final moments and, and what Jesus w- is wanting to convey to them in those final moments. And we're going to look at one more scripture in John 13 because, um, excuse me, again, we see something that, that really confuses the disciples and makes them wonder what in the world's going on. It's found in the, uh, 33 of chapter 13. It says this, Jesus is speaking here, my children... I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. Okay, now, I want you to stop for a second. I want us to kind of put ourselves in the mind of a disciple. You've given up everything. You've followed Jesus. You're you're expecting just to see this amazing, uh, really, coronation, this this king that is going to kick Rome out and kick out your oppressors and all these sort of things. And now, now, Jesus is communicating, I'm leaving. I'm I'm going. And, And more than that, where I'm going, you can't come. Can you imagine the anguish? Can you imagine the confusion? Can you imagine all these things that must be going on in the minds of these disciples? Wait wait a minute. No, 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 Jesus. That's not how this works. You you must not understand. You're going to do this. You're you're not going to leave. You're you're not going to leave us. You're not going to scatter. And here's what's interesting is Jesus, during this time, he begins to kind of tell them a lot of things that are not real exciting for them. I mean, he basically says, you know, one of you are going to betray me. You're going to deny me. You're going to scatter. And, and, and this whole thing is kind of blowing up. And, and so everything's kind of crumbling around them. Everything is becoming more and more concerning. I, I, I would have loved to have seen the look on the disciples' faces as they're looking at each other and they're going, wait a minute, what, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? What do you, what do you mean? Well, you can't, you can't leave us. You can't leave. You're missing the point. It was a very difficult time. You see, at this moment, the disciples' messianic expectations are crumbling all around them. They are confused, concerned, and not sure what to do next. This is our setting. This is 
what they are experiencing. They're in this, this room and this man that they believe was going to come and, and, and do all these things as their Messiah. They're almost going, you, now you're leaving us? Now you... You know, sometimes it's, 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 it's easy to put the people in the Bible into, um, kind of make them into statues. I've talked about this before. These were real people with real emotions and real, I mean, these, these people are just like you and me. Can you imagine, try to put yourself in that position. And here's this man that, that you believe, I mean, you've seen heal people and, 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 and walk on water and, and calm the sea and the storm, all these things. And this guy's now going, I'm out. I'm out. Can you imagine the, how abandoned you would feel? How alone you would feel in that moment? And so with all that going on, with all those things, now we get to the statement. Now we get to the statement that Jesus makes in John 14. So let's look at that together. John 14, 1 through 4. And this is what Jesus says with that concern, with those that fear, with that, that, that thought of abandonment, this is what Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. All of a sudden, this statement takes on a whole new amount of power and concern and love. It, it really, all of a sudden, it, at least for me, it, it comes more alive. It comes to a place where we go, Oh, like, 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 you know, here's the thing. Like, you, you, you read this statement. I don't know if you've read this statement before. I know I have. And, and you go, well, that's so comforting. That's so, but, but this understanding the setting and the context that Jesus makes this statement, it really takes this to the next level. And what's interesting about this is, is, is we got to understand something. Sometimes it's, again, we know the end of the book. We know the end of the story. But, but, but can you imagine what Jesus must have been going through during this time? He knows what's coming. I mean, at least the disciples have ignorance. At least they don't really know. Jesus knows why he came. He knows that the time is now uh, upon them where, where he's going to be turned over and he's going to be crucified. He's going to be experienced the wrath of God for us. Jesus has got to be going through a lot of hurt and a lot of turmoil in his own mind and, and, and all these things. And what's interesting is, is none of the disciples ever really look at Jesus and go, Jesus, are you okay? Are, 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 are you all right? Are, they're kind of like we are today, unfortunately. They're very self-centered and, 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 and going, well, Jesus, you're leaving me. And, and, and they don't even think about how Jesus is feeling and what Jesus is going through. And even in the midst of that, even in the idea of, of that, Jesus still cares for them. I love that. I love that in that moment, Jesus shows how much he loves his disciples. He doesn't say, you know, guys, seriously, can you, can, can you please? I'm, I'm getting ready to, to go through something that's, that's, you know, huge. And all you care about is, is your stuff. He doesn't do that. He loves them. He cares for them. He, he really, in a lot of ways, kind of wraps them up and says, man, I'll, I know you're scared. I know you're afraid. But, you know, don't let your heart be troubled. You know, with, with everything that's going on in our world today, you know, it's, it's real easy to be scared. It, it's real easy to, to kind of go, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, I don't understand. And, and, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the physical situations that people find themselves in, but, you know, whether it be financial or emotional or, or whatever, you know, there's a lot in our world that it's really easy to, to kind of get overwhelmed. It's really easy to become afraid. You know, and I, and I want 
to kind of stop here and I know this isn't like we usually do. You're usually here and, and, and this is different because I'm on a screen in your home, um, wherever you are, wherever you're watching this. But you know, that, 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 that statement is just as real today as it was for those disciples back then. Don't let your heart be troubled. And he doesn't just say, don't let your heart be troubled, and then he goes off. He gives you a reason. He says, because if you trust me, if you'll trust God, you don't have to let your heart be troubled. The problem is sometimes is we, we forget to trust and therefore our heart is troubled. Okay? If, if you want your heart to not be troubled, then we have to trust. And trust when we don't understand. Trust when we're like the disciples where we think certain things are going to happen and Jesus has kind of blown that out of the water. And that's not easy. And I get that. But if we can have the trust that Jesus is who he says he is, will do what he said he would do, we don't have to let our hearts be troubled. We may not know how it's all going to play out. I get that. And I know if you're like me, Man, I'd like to, to have it all laid out, but that's just not always what happens. But for some of you, you know, we talk about what, what we need to learn in these messages, and for some of you, this is it. It's time to stop being afraid. Not because it's not things to be concerned about, but because Jesus is greater. And because the trust we can have in him can overshadow any fear, any concern, any confusion, but we've got to trust. And so I want to encourage you during this time, especially as even things are opening up and, and things are moving and you don't know how it's all going to be. As Christians, we get to have our hope and our focus and our lives anchored to Jesus. And he's trustworthy and he's faithful. So he's speaking that to us. Don't let our hearts be troubled. But let's trust him, okay? Let's trust him. Let's look to him. And so Jesus makes this statement. And what I'd like to do is really look and break it down of what Jesus is saying and what he's declaring and what he's helping us to see. And we start to see that in John 14, 6a, the first part. Jesus speaks to them and he says, Jesus told them, I am the way the truth, and the life. Let's look at each of these and what Jesus is stating. What, as Jesus is making these statements, he's declaring things. And let's talk about what he's declaring. Number one, he says he's the way. He's the way. What is he saying? Jesus is saying that he is the bridge between God and us. He's the way. You see, because of our sin, because of our, our, our rebellion, because we thought we knew better, there's a gap between God and us. And Jesus here is saying, listen, I'm the way. I'm the way that can bridge that gap. I'm the one that can bring you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And I can make that take place. But, but we've got to understand that, that we can't do that on our own. We need Jesus to be that way, to, to bridge that gap. In 1 Corinthians 5, 21, we see this. It says, for, this, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Why is there a gap? Because God is righteous and we're not. And what Jesus did is because of his sacrifice, because of his love, he has made us righteous so that, as Hebrews says, we can walk boldly into the throne room of God. We're not righteous because of what we have done. We're righteous because of what Jesus has done. And we've accepted that gift of grace and mercy and love. And so now we can get to God. Jesus has made that way for us. And I've said this before, I know you've heard it. You know, Jesus made a way where there was no way. And he did it by being the way. And so he says that I am the way. Next, Jesus says he is the truth. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is the truth of God and his perfect revelation of who he 
is. One of the reasons that Jesus came among many was to show us the Father, to show us what God is like. Jesus says many times, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. A lot of times we see Jesus, and and that's great, but we have a different view of God. We see Jesus as loving and caring and and all these things, and and we go, but I wonder what, 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 what God the Father's like. Listen, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen him. Jesus was a perfect uh, revelation of who God is. And he's shown us that. So, so we see Jesus, we know our fathers like that, which is amazingly cool. Look at 1 Corinthians 5. In 1 Cor- or, excuse me, Colossians 1.15. Look at the wrong part of my notes. Colossians 1.15, it says this. He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. If ye see Jesus We've seen God. We've seen the truth of who God is. So Jesus not only says he's the bridge to God, he says, I am the perfect representation of God. If you've seen me, you've seen him. The last thing he says in this statement, he says that he is the life. He is the life. What does that mean? He is the way to life, and the life he brings is full of joy and peace and love, and much more. It is the life that we've all looked for. It is the life that we all need. It is the life that we were created for. Look at John 10, 10. We kind of talked about this um, uh, a few weeks ago, or last week. It says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, speaking Jesus here speaking, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Isn't it awesome that Jesus didn't come to give us life when we were dead? I love that. Jesus came that we could have life eternally, meaning we get to have life today, we get to have life tomorrow, and we get to have life all eternity. Listen, let me be honest with you. If your life is not a life of abundance, and I don't mean material stuff or even blessings, but if your life isn't full with peace, joy, love, kindness, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit, you are missing out. Jesus came to give you that. Listen, we kind of talked about this earlier. If you're walking around and you don't have peace, you can have it today. It has been bought for you. That's the life that Jesus has come to give us. Listen, Christians should have the, 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 the best lives ever. Why? Because we got Jesus. Why don't we? Because we focus on things that aren't what really what we need. We compare ourselves to others on certain things that aren't important. But when it really comes down to it, the life we can have in Jesus is so amazing and so awesome, and he wants us to have that. He wants us, to our lives, to be full of these things. Listen, the reason I put just joy, peace, and love here is because I, couldn't, I didn't want to write all this stuff. That's why I said, and much more. That's the life Jesus has for us. That's the life that Jesus came to give us. Where the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy Jesus came to be life and to give us life. And that life is awesome. Awesome. It doesn't mean our life will always be perfect. But it means that he'll always give us what we need, when we need it, in the way that we need it. Now, after making this statement, in the first part of John 14, 6, he continues. And so we're going to look at that because we need to look at that statement too. So in John 14, 6b, the second part, after he said he is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says this, no one can come to the Father except through me. Now let's be honest, that's kind of a hard statement for a lot of people. In our world today and in our culture today, that is a very, well, a lot of people have a hard time swallowing that. But Jesus here is very, very clear. And it's very, just to be honest, it's very exclusive. But remember what Jesus just said. He said, he said he's the truth. He wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. And, and again, I'm not naive to our culture. I'm not naive to the concept of the thought, oh, there's, there's many, many paths to God. 
But the bottom line is, is, is that's not what God has said. Jesus has said that no one comes to the Father except through Him. What does that mean? It, it means this, because we kind of talked about this earlier. There's only one bridge. There's only one bridge. And, and, and we could talk a lot, and there's a lot of people much, much smarter than I am who have kind of wrestled with this topic and, and, and all these things. And, and, and I would only kind of help us to, to help us understand that. I'll only kind of bring up one thing. And, and Christianity is different from a lot of all the other religions in a lot of ways, but there's one that I think is important for us today to really understand. And I think as we understand this, um, it can help us with this somewhat, for some people, problematic statement. And, and the thing is, Christianity is, is different in in a lot of ways, but like I said, I want to focus on this one, and it's going to be up on your screen. And this is what it says. It says, all the world's religions start with the premise that I build my own bridge to God. Let's stop there for a second. If you look at the world's religions, when you really begin to break them down, they're all an attempt to get to God, whether they are built on what you do or, or how you live, or if you, you pray a certain amount of time, or a certain way, or pointed to a certain direction, uh, they're all, in a, in, when you really break them down, they're all about getting to God. That, that God is far away, and that our job is to get to Him by what we do, by, by how we live, and all those things. But here's the thing, Christianity is the only one that is the opposite. Christianity says you can't build your bridge. It is impossible. So instead of us trying to come to God, He has come to us through Jesus. Christianity says your bridge won't work. You see, here's the thing. As we look at the comment and the idea that He is the way, the truth, and the life, that He is the bridge. He is the only way. That includes the bridges you can make too. No matter how good you are, no matter how well you handle things. And look, I'm not saying that, that we as Christians shouldn't live our lives a certain way. We should. But here's the big difference, and I need you to catch this. Even if you've heard me say this before, you need to catch this and, and let this really infiltrate your heart, okay? One of the differences here is as Christians, we don't do what we do. We don't live the way we do to earn God's love. God already loves you. We do what we do not to earn God's love, but because of God's love. We live the way that God wants us to live. We try to be obedient to Him because He loves us, not to get Him to love us. And that is huge. And a lot of times, a lot of Christians, we live our lives, unfortunately, like a hamster on, on a hamster wheel. We're just trying, we're spinning, we're working. Oh, I gotta, I gotta live this way, and I gotta do this, and I gotta do that. Why do we do that? Why do all the world's religions do that? It's so it's almost like God will say, look at me, pay attention to me, love me, listen, listen to me. Jesus came already. He died already. The Bible tells us that he did that once and for all. That means for everybody before, everybody then, and everybody in the future. He already has loved you. He's already reached out to you. He's already said, I love you. Come, be with me. Accept my love. Our job is not to earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn what you already have. Stop. Get off the hamster wheel. And in let that love that Jesus has already given you change you. And then when that happens, listen, you're going to be amazed. No, you don't be perfect, but you're going to be amazed how much easier it is to be obedient, to do what God's asked you to do, because you know He loves you. When God says, do something you don't understand, you start from a place of, hey, God loves me. God has a plan for me. God knows what's best for me. And then it's easier to do. But if we start from a place where we don't really understand God's love, it becomes much, much harder to do what God's asked us to do. We start there. We start in that place. 
knowing it isn't about earning it. It's about the fact that Jesus freely gave it. And he still is. So that brings us to the last as we kind of bring this to a close. We've talked about the setting. We've talked about the statement. And now I'm going to just simply say we're going to look at the question. Remember we started this this morning. We, we were talking about the idea of going home. The fact that we all have that desire. I, I think when, when things are in pretty much every human being, uh, that's a pretty close sign that uh, we were created that way. We were, we were created for more, if that makes sense. And so the question I want to ask you and me this morning is quite simply this. Can Jesus get me home? Can Jesus get me home? Because I said earlier, we weren't created for this place. This is not our home. This is not what God intended for you and for me. And so because of that, we got to figure out how to get home. We got to figure out what that looks like. I, I grew up um, in Kansas City, and, and, and a lot of people, they, they think, oh, that means you grew up in Kansas. No, I, I actually grew up in Missouri, but very close to the Kansas line. And so if you are anywhere near Kansas, you are pretty much, uh, anytime you go a place, you're going to probably see something to do with the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy. You know what I mean? And, and what's Dorothy say at the end? There's no place like home. You know, as you know anything about that movie, it's, it's at the beginning, it's, she just wants to run away. She just wants to get away. She doesn't want to be where she's at, and so she goes to this, this place. But the bottom line is, is, as wonderful as Oz is, it's not home. And where does she want to go? She wants to go home. And why does that movie, why does that book resonate with us as humans? Because we have the same desire. And so the question becomes, can Jesus get us home? But you know what? This world isn't our home. Look at 1 Peter 2. In 1 Peter 2, 11, it says this. He writes, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. And I also want to read um, from Eugene Peterson's The Message. It's, it's a it's a Bible translation, kind of paraphrased, but I, I, as I was studying and looking at this, I thought, man, this is just really perfect. And it's the same verse, but in the message version, this is what he writes. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't make yourselves cozy in it. This world is not our home. There's a quote, a famous quote from C.S. Lewis, and I just love it. It's just so... So timely, this is what it says. If I can find my desires, which nothing, if, if I find in my desires, which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. You weren't made for this place. You were made for another world. You were made to go home. But here's the problem. Here's the issue. Here's what we need to understand. There is only one way home. And home is with God. Home is in the presence of Jesus. That's home. That's what you were created for. For a lot of us, that's the longing that we have deep inside of us. I'm going to ask John to come and he's going to begin to play. And as we close this morning, I... I don't know if you know this, and I think most of you do. One of my favorite portions of Scripture is, is the parable in Luke where Jesus tells the story of the lost son. You may know it as the prodigal son, and, and, and I love that story. There's so much there. And, and I've often thought if it wasn't for the fact that I'd probably bore you uh, for, for six months, we, we could just do that story. Oh, I mean, and just look and just dive into it, and it'd just be amazing, but... But, but the story is really interesting because in the story we see this, this, this young man who goes to his father and he basically says, I want my inheritance now. Really what he's saying there is, is, is I mean, because when, when you get inheritance, you get inheritance when the person with the money is dead. He's basically saying to his dad, man, I wish you were dead. I, I just, I'd rather have the money over you. And the father gives it to him and 
The Bible says that he goes off to a faraway land and he squanders that money on prostitutes and on partying and all these things and lives a life that he really shouldn't. And then there's a famine that hits the land and, and he's basically reduced to being in a pig pen. And he's so hungry that he's looking at the food that the pigs are eating and he's, he's really wishing he could eat that. And then the, the young man, he, he, he comes to his senses and he, he, he goes home and, and on his way he, he begins to even rehearse like how he's going to communicate something to his dad. He's going to have this talk with his dad. He's going to say all these things. And, and the Bible says that while he was far away, the father sees his son. And he runs to him, embraces him. It's a stinky pigsty smell. Puts a ring on his finger and robe on his shoulder and sandals on his feet. They have a, a big party. And he says, my son that was dead is now alive. What a, man, that's a beautiful story. So much there. But, but you got to realize something. And it's not going to be on your screen, and, but you can look it up. When, when the son comes to his senses, you know the word you see? He begins to be drawn back home. Did you ever see that before? He begins to say, you know, in my father's house, you know, back home, what propels him out of the pig pen? I know what God's placed in every human being's heart. There is a longing for home. And look, you can try to find home in, in different things, in different people. You know, a lot of times we, 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 we've bought into the lie that says, you know, home, you can find home if you get enough stuff. You can find home if you get the right spouse. You can find home if you get the right job. You can find home if you get the right car. You can find home if, if, if you got enough in your bank account. Those aren't going to get you home. There's only one way home. Jesus has communicated us to this, that, that, that if you want to get home, he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And no one gets home without him. And you go, man, that's, 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 so, uh, that's so problematic and that's so hard. And that, that's, you know what? I, I get it. We live in a culture that, that basically says, oh, there's many ways. But you know what? That's based on human understanding and human wisdom. And as smart sometimes as humans can be, we're not smarter than God. God knows. And he could have hid it. He could have hided it. He could have said, hey, you got to find me. you got to look to me. you got to do all these things. And if you do it just right, I'll give you a glimpse. No, he loved us first. He made a way first. For God so loved the world, he sent his son. It doesn't say because we tried to love God so much, God made the time to find us. He made a way. But that way is Jesus. So here's the thing. There's, there's really two groups of people here. The first is people that maybe it's time to stop looking at other ways to get home. It's time to understand that Jesus loves you so much. He made a way. He made a way when there was no other way. And he offered himself as a sacrifice for you because he loves you so much. You don't have to earn it. You just got to accept it. And that's so awesome. And so some of you today, you need to just allow that gift and walk in that way. You know, in our scripture that we read, Thomas 
Jesus is saying, you know, you're, I'm going to go prepare a place and you're going to come and, and you know the way. And Thomas, you know, Thomas gets kind of a bad rap, you know, doubting Thomas. But Thomas, I like Thomas in some ways because Thomas kind of just says what everybody else in that room is thinking. You know, I don't know if you know that person. Maybe you are that person where everybody else is quiet and you're like, uh, so uh, listen, and that's Thomas. And so Thomas goes like, hey, Jesus, we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. What, what are you talking about? And in that moment, Jesus says, I am the way. You want to get home? Jesus is the way. He is the truth. And he is that life. But it's the only way. The other group is, is, is I'm going to talk to Christians right now. Because for some of us, you know, I'm going to mention this earlier. It's like we're in that hamster wheel. And we are spinning and working and striving so hard to earn God's love. Boy, if I, if I just did this, or if I just did that, if I, if I, and, and you know what? And that's hard for us to, to admit, but our lives give us away. And in some ways, even though we've accepted Jesus and we understand what Jesus has done for us, we truly haven't understood his love for us. We, we've we've kind of gone the way, if this will make sense, of the Pharisee where we had to do it just right. And if we do it just right, then maybe Jesus will love us. Listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't strive to be righteous. We should. James says, hey, your life's gonna have to match up. We have to understand something that's different. We have to understand that we don't do what we do. We don't live that way to earn it. We live that way because God already loves you. And I truly believe this morning, whether you're, you're watching this, you know, like, you know, in your home on Sunday, or you're watching it two weeks or a month from now, I really believe that that is something that really Christians need to hear. Jesus loves you. Let's change how we live in the way that says we're not doing what we're doing to earn it. We're doing what we're doing because of it. And I think if we can do that, it can totally revolutionize the way we live our lives and help us as a community of believers to be a brighter light than we ever have in a darkened world. Because here's the thing, if we bring people this concept of earning it, every other religion's the same way. They're already doing that, folks. But when we can bring them a God that already loves them in their filth, in their, in their mistakes, when, when we understand the true love of the Father who looks for His lost Son, and runs to him. It doesn't say that God the Father sat there and said, man, how could you? Man, you should have known better. How dare you? No, he runs to him. He embraces him before he has a bath, before he's got cleaned up. And he says, my son is home. And whether that's for the first time in your life, or maybe you need to come home again, there is no place like home. And the only way to get there is Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we love you. And Jesus, we thank you that you made a way for us to go home. God, I thank you that in every human being, there is a longing and there's a desire to go home. Because you know what? This world isn't our home. And you know what? Some of us, we've made ourselves cozy in this world. We've, we've tried to fool ourselves that this home is, will do. That this home, we can find home in other things and other people and other situations. And the bottom line is this, this world is not our home. But you made a way for us to go home. You made a way. And, it, and it's not wearing sparkly shoes and clicking our heels. It's knowing that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one goes home 
no one goes to the Father except through you. So Jesus, whether it's a person for the first time, whether it's the Christian that needs to get off the hamster wheel and truly understand that they are loved, that they are your child, that you love them and those that don't know you with an everlasting love and that you did all that you have done and all that you are doing from a place of love, from a place of you reaching out to us. You need to change us, Jesus, to help us to truly understand that truth. So Father, whether it be for the first time or whether it be for not the first time. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit right now would draw people to you. That you would draw them to yourself. And Father, for those that need you for the first time, that they would just pray a simple prayer that basically says, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I know you love me. I accept you. I, I accept your forgiveness and your grace. I know you are God's son and I know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Bring me home. And if you pray that prayer, and if you mean that prayer, one day, when the time is right, as Jesus said, you're going to go home. Now here's what's great. You can experience that life today. And so, Father, no matter, first or many times, draw them home. Draw them home. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I love you. I miss you. I've been through many different ways, been kind of made aware of some people that um, are watching these that uh, I haven't seen in a while. And so you know who you are. I love you and I miss you too. And I'm so excited to be back together again. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I, I know we're, we're one day closer. But listen. No matter who you are or where you are, embrace home. Because one day we'll all go home. And what a day that's going to be. So no matter where you're at, no matter when you're seeing this, man, I hope you have a great week. I hope that you live in that love that Jesus has for every single one of us. And you let that love change you every day. I miss you. I love you. I'll see you soon, okay?